Christmas Eve this past year when a grandma sent me an email on Christmas Eve morning saying that her bottles never got delivered and then calls me on the phone that her grandkids didn't get their, like aren't gonna have their bottles in time. And finishing up Christmas Eve with my family at like five o'clock because the family comes before everything, but then driving four, four hours Northwest um, to deliver bottles at nine, 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve night to drive four hours back and get home at 2 a.m. to then watch your little brother wake up and open presents at 6 a.m. That's love. Like that was love for our community that I wanted to do that. And I, I know other people have great stories like that. But to me, that's what brings it all together. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We are here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma, and as always, I want to have some honest and real conversations with real people about business. And I have a good one today. I was connected to my next guest through a good friend, Dr. Trish Berg, who was recently on the show around March, and she was talking a lot about resiliency, and it's a great episode that you should definitely check out. But um, after that, we were sharing stories, and she regaled me of this tale of one of her former students who, while still studying, decided to start his own business and platform that business into ways to help you know, build wells in third world countries and all these other ambitious things. And I said, well, I need to meet this person. I need to have this person on my show. And so she helped me make that happen. And that person in that story is Joe Knopp. And the company is called Ripple. And he's here with me today. Welcome to the show, Joe. How's it going? Thank you, Jeff. I'm so happy to be here and be able to share our story and maybe some insights that'll help bring value to others. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I kind of gave only the very surface level thing. And I want to dive into that um, in a little bit. But, um, you know, I always want to start with a little bit about you and, and, you know, I really want to know what your passion lies in, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a little farm town called East Canton, Ohio, um, where I joke and say there's more chickens, cows than people. Um, and I really think there is, but even just at the, the core of that, it was always helping people. It was, you knew your neighbors growing up, you, you went down the road and you helped move something um, on a tractor or whatever it was. And then that's just kind of grown out to this next, I call it the, another ripple ring of my life um, into the business. But at, at the core is I've just grown up in a small town and love helping people. That's awesome. And not a question I've ever asked on this podcast, but how old are you, Joe? <laughs> Um, so, so I am 21 years old and I just turned 21, I would say like eight, eight months ago. Um, but I started the business more than two years ago. So when I was first taking meetings with people, they'd say, Oh, you want to grab a beer and like talk over some things? I I get a pop because I I can't get a beer yet, but I am a little young. No, I appreciate you answering that question because I think the context is important. It's not trying to call you out, but I think it's incredible. It's a, an amazing part of of what your your story is. And can you kind of share a little about about Ripple for everybody, just so they know what that's all about? Absolutely. So, I, growing up, I was doing lemonade stands, shoveling driveways. I had this entrepreneurship bug in me, 
And I got to college and I hadn't started a real business yet, or at least not in my eyes. And so I laid in my bed thinking of what problems were out there in the world that I could solve. And my mom always told me growing up, drink your water before, before getting up from the dinner table because there's kids that don't have that luxury. And so I started thinking, talked to my roommate whose name's Chip. And I was like, Chip, like, you think I could solve the world water crisis? And he goes, no, Joe, you're crazy. Somebody else would have already done it by now. Like Bill Gates is working on this problem. Um, and I'm like, don't, don't tell me I can't do something. And so next thing you know, I'm researching, figure out we can build a well for about $8,000. Um, don't want to start a nonprofit initially and just ask people for money. I wanted there to be an equal exchange of value. So researched, um, found bottles similar to Yeti and Hydro Flasks that were wholesaling for about 6 or $7, selling for 40 45 50 and then decided to spend all my money I had from an internship on those bottles, labeled them under uh, Ripple, and we've grown the company ever since. Yeah, absolutely. T talk a little bit, and I, I'm just going to like help you plug a little bit because I mean I have my Ripple right right here. Talk a little bit about what's on the other side of the Ripple logo here on the on the bottle. Yeah. So on the back side of the bottle is the village name and coordinates um, that that specific bottle supports. So every 2000 Ripple bottles we sell, we actually build a well over in a low income country. Right now, we're primarily in Uganda. Um, in the last 18 months, we've drilled 20 wells, giving 50,000 people access to clean water, including the first ever modern solar powered well for a remote village in the country. That is awesome. And I love that, you know, you had a vision, you had an idea and you, you just, you know, you stepped into it. And um, I remember at your age, I don't think I was, I don't think I was in that headspace. So like what, what, what drives you? Like what, what kind of makes you want to push forward in these, in these things that other people say are impossible or crazy? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't have the best childhood growing up. I think one of the, the biggest touch points that I would, I would lean on is in seventh grade, I had a really bad concussion um, where I actually developed apraxia. I lost all fine motor motions on the left side of my body. Um, I couldn't walk, couldn't talk for months on end. And I, I would have to sit in front of a mirror with my grandma, moving my jaw up and down to try and form words again. Um, and ever since then, like, I've always appreciated the little things. Um, so whether it's just being able to talk with you right now or like my left side of my body working so I can walk after this. Um, and then that's just grown into an appreciation for like just other human beings in general and being able to help them just simply help them with whatever they need and however I can help. I love that, man. That's, that's really inspirational for sure. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the world right now and you have what I would kind of consider the, you know, the classic kind of old guard of business. There's, business that have been running for generations, essentially, and, you know, large, large businesses. Um, and there's even, you know, not so old businesses, but, you know, they're still being like run um, by CEOs and, and, and bosses and leadership and management of, of a different generation. And I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of conversation around this. There's like millennials and Gen Z and all these things always mixed into all the business conversations. Um, what's your general take on that? As someone from your perspective, how do you see your kind of from your perspective all those factors out in the in the in the world, but also your your own role? Yeah. So, 
I think with Gen Z and somewhat millennials, we're very kind, compassionate, um, just just tons of love. Um, and I think that's met with some of the older generations being more numbers, data-driven approaches, like, did you get the job done? Did you meet the sales quota? And I think that something that I've leaned into is having mentors within my own life that somebody in my in their 20s, somebody in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, I've kind of put together my, my own personal life board of mentors, um, but I do believe the intergenerational gap is a huge piece because you can take the older generation of, well, you do have to hit this metric, but also the approach of the younger individuals who come at it with more kindness and compassion. I think for something like we're building is it's led with, with love, um, but it's met with accountability and humility that I'm 21 years old. I, I don't know how to run a company perfectly. Um, I think you asked the CEO of Coca-Cola. He also doesn't know how to run the company perfectly. I think because the way the times have changed, even the Coca-Cola CEO, I don't, I don't actually mean the Coca-Cola CEO, just a, a Fortune 500 CEO. I'm not calling out the, the big guy. Um, but talking, understanding our generation and how it plays, um, back and forth. I think that's going to be key to a business's growth over time. Um, yeah. e even companies that that are younger towards towards younger audiences, I, I want to talk about Hydroflask real quick. Hydroflask was started by 25, 30 year olds with just an idea to make a really great bottle. And they did fantastic. They built a community around it. They, they were huge on Instagram and Visco um, right when it all started. But then that they sold off to the 60, 70 year old conglomerate, Helen of Troy, and they lost that personal touch and personal feel. And that's where there's, there's gotta be the balance. It can't just be black and white. Hmm. I think one thing that is like kind of iconically different when I look out in the world between, you know, businesses owned or operated by different generations is just around just general um, leadership approaches and you mentioned it kind of like what we find to be important what we kind of focus on you know as you became as you're starting your own journey and you're doing your own thing here you're kind of thrust into that role right whether you like it or not i mean you, you have to represent this entire business or you have to deal with a larger employee headcount and more kind of client conversations investor complications and things like that and you know you started with just wanting to to help get water to people you didn't necessarily just sign up for a leadership you know experience so what's that like for you what's you know what's leadership mean to you right now yeah to me leadership means taking away fear for your people um at at this point to me leadership also means directing the ship and making those tough decisions that you don't want to make um to be honest and just forthcoming i when i had to fire my first employee i went home and i cried like a baby like i hated it i was like this is somebody i was so close to and like i, I just had to let them go because they weren't meeting the expectations of the business and it had been three four five instances where we had conversations and it just the mission is so much bigger than myself so much bigger than anybody on the team that when you're put in a leadership role i the, the, the organization comes before like personal decisions. And that's, that's something I've learned on um, the hard way, unfortunately. Yeah. So what does kind of love and 
humanity and compassion look like to you in terms of business? What is love as a business strategy for you? It's, it's not being a water bottle company. It's being a community who just happens to support us through buying a water bottle. Um, it's Christmas Eve this past year when a grandma sent me an email on Christmas Eve morning saying that her bottles never got delivered and then calls me on the phone that her grandkids didn't get their, like aren't going to have their bottles in time. And finishing up Christmas Eve with my family at like five o'clock because the family comes before everything, but then driving four, four hours Northwest um, to deliver bottles at nine, 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve night to drive four hours back and get home at 2 a.m. to then watch your little brother wake up and open presents at 6 a.m. Like that to me is love as a business strategy is uh, you do you you do the tasks that are, are unscalable in, in my eyes. And, and something like that where the founder CEO drives four hours on Christmas Eve isn't scalable because I could really only do that to one person. But that's love. Like that was love for our community that I wanted to do that. And I, I know other people have great stories like that. But to me, that's what brings it all together. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I, I know you also, um, you mentioned, you know, you, there's a lot of love in the mission itself. But a lot of times I'm also curious about the love that's necessary, I guess, within the few or many people that you work with across like within that are on board for the mission. Because you mentioned you had to do, you had to fire, to fire somebody. That's tough. And I think, yeah. you know, love is business strategy gets a bad rap because it's like, it's kind of pictured as this utopian world where nobody's fired and nobody's in trouble and everybody's just, but that's also never the case. So what about, what about love, you know, away from the mission and, and the product, but also about for, for people around? Yeah. I mean, our team is a family. Um, I didn't know at least four out of the six of them before starting Ripple, but I'm telling you what, if they called and said they needed anything, like I'm there. And the same goes for them. Like we've, we've grown into this tight family unit. And I believe that's what's led to a majority of our success is I, I really believe all six of us could step into the CEO role because we all know the business that well. And like, we all care about each other where if I'm like, guys, I got to go take care of, of my mom for two weeks. Like every, every person would have enough love for me to be able to step up in that role. Um, but yeah, when we see each other outside of work, we call, we check in with each other. Um, I joke around that unless you're one of these six people on my team, you don't get to talk to me between 8 AM and 8 PM every, every day, um, for the most part, but like, cause, cause they're the family line, like they're the speed dial. I love it. I love it. Have you, um, it's complete tangent, but have yeah. you, uh, visited these, like how do these wells get built? Like how have you been there? Are you supervising that? Or are you like, like what's that process? like? <laughs> yeah. So originally we were, we were supposed to partner with a different nonprofit, but this was the middle of COVID when I, when I decided to, to start this all and they didn't have people on the ground in what would have been Malawi. And so I was like, well, shoot, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm ready to go over there. Like, I got to see this well. And so over the course of three months, um, I networked with an alumni in my university. His name is Michael Balumba. And he's a Ugandan citizen who already had an organization on the ground that was teaching 
uh, poverty-stricken communities like income-producing skills. And so me and him worked back and forth um, with contractors and engineers in Uganda to figure out what solution is going to be best for the actual community. And so that's how we came up with the first ever modern solar-powered well um, for a community in the country. And then him and his team led the conversations for that first well. Um, I got to go over there, see it. We, we ended up running water lines into two different elementary schools because of the way we set up the well. It was, I, I, humbly, it was freaking awesome. Um, I, I just seen these kids' faces and knowing that their kids and kids' kids for generations to come are going to have clean water. Um, like it blows my mind that I was just some 20 year old kid in a dorm room. Um, but now we have this, this whole big long process of there's applications that we receive from communities all over the country. They'll come in, get screened. We'll have team members. We got a team of 10 on the ground in Uganda um, that's led by Michael. Um, they'll work with these communities. Then we'll decide who gets one, sell the bottles. Bottles gets us the money. We start drilling. Um, and then from there, there's a, like a maintenance process that's decided upon by the community where they'll implement tax infrastructure. So um, it's, it's X amount of shillings. I believe 75 shillings are about a couple dollars or like a dollar or two per household each month. Um, but something amazing that's happened uh, beyond water is the first community we supported, Katiti, has used some of that money to run electricity in their, their community where there was no electricity before. And that, that truly is the ripple effect. I mean, girls are going to school um, because they don't have to collect water. They're running electricity because they were able to put a tax infrastructure in place. I, I mean, I, I get all jazzed up. I could go on and on about it. <laughs> I love it. I can sense your excitement. I, I'm getting excited. It's, that's an amazing thing to be able to, to do and provide. Um, what's next? I mean, what's next for Ripple and what's next for you? Like, what's up? What's, what are you looking forward to? That is, that is a loaded question. Cause there's so much. Um, so right now there's the bottles that are building wells. Um, we've got uh, like hats and uh, hoodies for uh, us to build a, a vocational school over there where it's actually going to teach them, uh, them skills. Um, and then we also have stickers um, that are helping create menstrual reusable menstrual pads, because I'm, I'm absolutely huge on menstrual equity. I went over there and to see the, the disparity between young men and young girls, um, I, it, was, it was pretty alarming. So uh, we're, we're working on that outside of Ripple or even within Ripple. Um, we're also expanding into what we call uh, our We Build a Well program. Where we'll partner with universities um, to have cohorts of 10 students at each university work over the course of a school year to get their hands dirty, run their own business, and hopefully sell 2,000 Ripple bottles and build their own well. There's a whole bunch of activities along with that and educational programming, but that's something that's coming up. Um, outside of Ripple, I am a part of a team called Free Period Project that's aimed at solving menstrual equity, um, where ads pay for the free distribution of, of tampons and uh, pads. And then just another little passion project is I'm starting to import honey from Uganda called Her Honey. Um, it's made at a, a little farm that supports women, children, and the disabled. And so got that about to, to launch here in the next coming months. Man. That, we'll, we'll call that it for now. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fighting feelings of my own inadequacy right now because, you know, you've, you've, no. I've helped, I've helped like my neighbor one time, maybe, 
donated a little money here and there, but <laughs> you're doing such amazing things, Joe. Like I love, I love the the passion, the drive you have to like do such incredible things in so many different ways. Thank you. I, I just want to like get it out there. This is not for me to stand on like a, a higher shelf and look down on people. This is more of how can, how can I help raise other people? Like I like the saying rising tide lifts all ships. So mm-hmm. maybe if somebody hears this, they want to go start their own version of ripple um, like a Tom's model with, with the shoes. Cause that's honestly what inspired me. And that, like, that's what this all is all about is how can we lift up as many people as possible during our lifetimes? Yeah, for sure. I'm inspired. Definitely. I know many others are along the way. So yeah, just amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. What, um, I guess, what is kind of your, you know, message, I guess, out to, to those who are coming up younger than you or similar space of you, or even the, you know, the older generation that's, that's, that's listening. Like what's kind of your, what's your message for them? Yeah, I think it goes along Nike's mantra of just do it. Like you're going to fail and just fail fast. Just do it. Um, get out there in the world. Get your hands dirty. Figure out what you like, what you don't like. Um, that that would be my biggest piece of advice is when, when you start, it just it, sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back. Sometimes it's even three steps forward and four steps back. But the fact that you're moving, like it's I don't know how to describe it in a, I'm still, still getting there, but Newton's laws of, of motion where every action has an opposite and re opposite and equal reaction. But if you have no action, there is no opposite or like equal reaction. So you just have to move. You just have to start whether you're 50, 40, 60, 70, 10, 12, like start with you. I mean, Alex's lemonade is a huge example. I, I like, raising money for uh, pediatric cancer research. I, I don't know how old she was when she started that, but it doesn't matter if you're young, old. I mean, Colonel Sanders starting KFC, like whatever it might be, just, just start. <laughs> I love it, Joe. How, and, and people who want to follow, follow your journey and support, what, what's the website? How can they get involved? What, what should, where should they go? Yeah. So it's, uh, we are the ripple.com. Um, or I post a lot of my own content on LinkedIn. It's Joe Knopp, um, under ripple. Nice. Awesome. Um, Joe, been a pleasure. (laughs) It's been an absolute, um, just a, just a joy hearing, hearing your enthusiasm, your energy for all this, um, much needed for me to hear. I hope everybody enjoyed, um, that time with you too. So thank you so much for taking the time and sharing with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And to our audience, always appreciate the time you take to listen. And um, if you have not yet, uh, we'll put those, we'll put those um, in the show notes. We'll put the, the website and the links for Joe. And also, as always, please check out our book, Love is a Business Strategy. Still out there, still banging. And hopefully you're subscribing, rating our podcast and uh, telling a friend. So with that, we will see everybody next week.